Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. In these uncertain times, it is more important than ever that we are intimately connected to Jesus, hearing His voice, attentive to His leading, and dependent upon the Spirit. Our Soul Shepherding staff went into the archives and picked powerful Soul Talks episodes that will remind us to go deeper and lean into our first love so that we can stand and bring the kingdom in this season. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Soul Talks. Bill and I are so glad you're joining us here for part two of Jesus's easy way to do hard things. And we are going to be playing for you a Soul Talk that we had with Doug Jones and Jason Whelan at Saddleback Church on their Doable Discipleship Podcast. And we're conversing with them today about trying to do better for greater productivity and joy. And that's not really an easy way. It's a hard way. And so we're talking about Jesus's easy way of training with him for greater joy and productivity. So also in your book, you talk about kind of the ways that we tend to make life harder <laughs> and more difficult. Can you share just a little bit I about... I never do that. About, you I know, Doug, never I've, do that. I've seen you be just the picture of peace at all times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, if only. I would say, you know, in our private practice, the people that have the hardest life are the people that are the most entangled in sin, mm. addiction, I mean, that's a hard life. They're yoked to their the substance that they're mm. addicted to or mm. the, the habits, whether it, it be something like a sexual addiction. And it is the hardest life, mm. the life that they lead and that they watch. And they are totally not able to live this life that works. Mm. Ironically, painful. it starts out easier. And that's true with any compulsive behavior, not just addiction, but... Mm. We, we think it's easier to uh, uh, overeat, for instance, because that, that brings me comfort or it numbs out my pain or it gives me some, some energy or something. But if you keep overeating and you, you, you gain too much weight, that's going to cause you health problems. It's, you're going to have less and less energy, mm. and it's going to actually make life more difficult for you. So sometimes the thing that feels easier in the moment actually in the long term is making your life a lot harder. Yeah. Mm. And that's, I think, an important point you made there, Christy, that, that sin is so often at the core of what's making life hardest for us. And that, that's kind of the biblical narrative, right? I mean, sin happened, everything got worse. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. a very, a very <laughs> uh, like, a, a oversimplified version of the biblical story. But, you know, I, I know from my own personal story, too, just in, in peeling back the onion in that spiritual journey of growth with, growth with Christ, that um, even now when I think of myself, yeah, it's really, this, it's really the sin in me that makes life tough because maybe it's because I haven't mastered anger, that's making life harder. Because I haven't mastered pride, that's making life harder. I'm like, no, I got it. You know, I'm, I'm insisting on carrying my own load and doing it my way and plotting my own journey. And yeah, I think, of course, early on in a spiritual journey especially, we deal with those kind of those really obvious sins, which may be things like, um, like you said, a substance abuse or that sort of thing. But even even after we've been walking with Christ for a long time, we we realize there are many layers to this, and you deal with one, then you move on to the next, and so on. And um, 
So yeah, I love that point that we have to we have to have a keen eye for what it is in our lives that's what it is in our heart as well that's making life more difficult. Um, so what are some other ways that we just make life too hard? Well, another example, uh, particularly for uh, pastors or small group leaders, Bible teachers, speakers, teachers of any kind, is that we might over prepare mm. uh, for what we're going to be talking on out of anxiety, nervousness, out of self-reliance, and put so much time into uh, worrying and obsessing and perfecting and redoing and everything, but we're not, we're not praying, we're not uh, getting our relational centers on and, and being uh, in a position to be present to the people that we're going to be with, which is what's going to be most important, is how, how we're going to yeah. relate to people and how God's going to use that. So self-reliance, it's another thing that's like, well, uh, it seems like that's going to prepare more, it's going to go better, but there's a a limit to that. Hmm. And we might miss the most important preparations of the heart and the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So working in the flesh rather than working in the spirit, right? That's, yeah. Depending upon ourselves, right? And not thinking about that I'm I'm not alone in this. Hmm. God is already at work, and I get to join him in it. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, can you talk a bit to, uh, about the stress and anxiety factor that comes into play when we try to do things <laughs> our own way? Yeah, well, in all these examples, whether, whether it's overeating or over-preparing for a message you're going to give, underneath that is some anxiety of, of some type. It, it might look like you're feeling inadequate, and so you're trying to prove yourself. Uh, there's like a low self-esteem there. It might be a, a fear of failure. But what's happening is we're, we're not really paying attention to the emotion and, and, and feeling it and talking it through with somebody safe. We, we don't want to feel that way uh, or we're trying to make the feeling go away through our performance or through our, our behavior. And w- whenever we push down truth, uh, experienced, lived truth, and we deny that, Things are not going to go well for us. The truth yeah. is always our friend, and the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth, and one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is, is to bring to the surface of consciousness things that are true about us, whether they're, they're sinful or broken or hurting or, or in need, to, to feel that and then bring it into our relationship with God and people is, is essential for a healthy, wholesome life and fruitful ministry. Hmm. I wonder... I wrote this down in, in my little note app. I, I'll just write random quotes and things that I hear. If I hear something that's like, whoa, that really ins- inspired or was encouraging or, or really smart or helpful. Maybe it was you who said, but I, I just wrote this on my notes the other day, that the truth has a way of, of rearing its head, you know? And, and I, so much of the time we're trying to suppress the truth so that we can like keep, keep some fiction uh, alive that we're trying to sort of propagate or trick ourselves with in life. But I love that picture of, there's a there's a truth that's wanting to break through, and sometimes we're by great effort trying to hold that back to preserve a comfortable uh, unreality that we create for ourselves. Um, you're speaking to me when you talk about over prepar- over preparation and all that <laughs> stuff. That's totally how my anxiety comes out when I'm prepping. It's part and parcel with my life as a pastor. But I would also say, you know, those listening, like m- most of you listening, you're not pastors, you know, that kind of thing. But just what are the things that you do that, or, or the things that you've got to do that cause you stress and cause you anxiety? These are principles that can be applied to any area of life, even beyond just, even just beyond day-to-day ministry life as well, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We all, we all deal with stress. Yeah, I yeah. think another big stressor that we do is, is pleasing people. 
mm. and really trying to put that priority over to the point where we're really neglecting our own soul yeah. and we're, we're denying our own needs and trying mm. not to have any needs because we're putting so much priority on other people's needs and mm. trying to meet them mm. and please them. And we've got this all portioned out in our head to where we, th- we have it justified that, well, we're loving our neighbor. Mm. And that's true, but Jesus says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yeah. Not in the detriment and the stress and the denial of right. yourself and your own yeah. needs. And so we need to let ourselves be loved by Jesus first mm-hmm. and then let out of the overflow our love for others come. And that's something that getting Jesus's vision of is really important because otherwise we can just run around crazy and stressed trying to, and it's a way of securing ourselves. These are always our performance. If we're over preparing for our ministry or our work or whatever we do, that's, you know, we're, we're over trying to secure ourselves by a good performance or trying to secure mm-hmm. ourselves by pleasing somebody or, or by getting what we think we need by what we have. These are all anxieties mm-hmm. and stresses for us. And they're all things that where we'll tend to deny our own true needs for our soul that Christ really is offering us there. That mm-hmm. That's so good. We have, a, we have a whole chapter on biblical self-esteem and another one on setting boundaries if you're a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Because these are areas that just constantly over the years we have seen uh, Christians really struggle with. And one reason is because we have this uh, important teaching in the Bible about denying ourselves that Jesus himself uh, really emphasizes. And time and again, we hear people that just really uh, misinterpret that and misapply that and think that self-denial means like like self-negation or even yeah. self-hatred. Yeah. And so, you know, this whole issue, what does Jesus mean when he says deny yourself? And so just to get real simple and practical with it, you can't deny a self until you have a self. Mm. And in, mm. in the psychological understanding of the person, self or, or identity is something that's developed. Mm. So, you know, Jason, you're, you're, you're a little guy at home. Our granddaughter, they don't have a self yet. At one and a half, yeah. that's yeah. still emerging. And it's a process, mm. basically about a three-year process before you begin to have the foundation of a self and an identity. Mm. And so if you're in a p- position of selflessness, pleasing other people all the time, always trying to make other people happy, don't think anything of good of yourself, but, but, but idealizing other people, then you're, you're in a position where you, you really can't, in a, in a biblical or healthy way, deny yourself. You really yeah. need some reparative ministry there to uh, come to greater definition and understanding and sense of valuing and, and mm. dignity around your human self so that then now you can deny that in loving other people. Yeah. Mm. So we, we sometimes think that denying ourselves means basically dissolving into... I, I love there was a picture, uh, actually a letter that Pastor Rick read. Uh, this has been a couple years ago. You'll probably remember this, Jason. Yeah. But I remember he gave a message on, on people pleasing, and he read a letter from a, from a member um, who was really struggling in this area. And, and she said something in the letter that just really struck me. She said, and it's exactly what you're describing. She said, I feel like I'm not even mm. me anymore. Mm. I feel like I'm just a collection of everybody else's mm. desires. Mm. And I, I've never heard that before, but I love the way you phrase that, that in order to deny yourself, you have to be yourself. That, and that's really in the fabric of creation. Like God made differentiated creatures yeah. so that you could be you <laughs> and I could be me and Christy could be Christy and so on. Uh, wow, what a, great, what, a, what a great teaching. Thanks, guys. Um, what about this? Um, 
trying versus training idea. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, that's like fundamental to our book. And it's really a lesson that we learned from Dallas Willard, who's been a mentor. Dallas and his wife, Jane, been a personal mentor to Christy and me. And so he brings out the teaching, you know, don't just try, train. Mm. And so that, that comes from 1 Timothy 4, 7, train yourself to be godly. And so that's a major theme in our book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke, is learning the different ways of training, which you're calling doable discipleship here mm-hmm. on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> and so the, the, it re- relates to uh, really everything we're talking about here. So the person that is struggling with overeating, one of the examples we've been working with, to uh, resolve that issue, it's not going to be enough to just say, you know, I'm going to eat healthier. Uh, I'm going to eat less. I'm going to try harder. That, that's going to lead to intermittent success and failure or dieting, you know, back and forth, you know, gain weight, lose weight, you know, up and down, mm-hmm. which is not, not healthy. But if you do some training and you, you get a coach or you, you join Overeaters Anonymous or even you work with a, 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 a dieting program that's more of a whole life oriented program, you, you learn about healthy eating, you learn about the emotional needs that are underneath your compulsive eating and you learn about how to how to feel those things and bring them into relationship and prayer like we're talking about and so there's a whole series of of training regimens here uh, exercises disciplines practices that you can do now to help you become a different kind of eater mm. a different kind of person on the inside and that that's going to that's going to take some time it's going to be hard but it's going to end up being easier so we say Jesus' uh, yoke is easy, but getting into it is not easy. Mm-hmm. Getting into the yoke requires training. Mm. Training is not easy, it's hard. But if you have the vision for the value of it, this could help me lose weight, that would give me more energy, that would help me have more confidence, mm. I could live longer, enjoy my grandkids, this is a good thing. If you really get a great compelling vision around that, you'll be motivated to implement some training regimens to, to learn better how to do that. Well, let me mm. give you an example of this. So when I was in college, the school that I went to had an aerobics program, and we had some requirements that we had to do, pass our aerobics test every year. Mm. And so one of those things was a run that we had to do, and you had to do it in a certain amount of time. I always hated that because I'm not a runner, and I'm not good at running. And running was painful for me. And so I never trained for those, and they were always so hard for me and just miserable for me, and I always mm. drained them, just dreaded them. Well, several years ago, so I'm married to Bill. He's a marathoner. He's run nine <laughs> marathons, and he would have run twice that many, except out of love for me, he does it because it takes so <laughs> long to train. But, oh, yeah. but he, he loves to run because he's trained at it. He's run his whole life. And so you watch him run, and he just looks like he's having the best time. He's smiling. He's energetic. He looks so full of life. He makes it look so easy, and I'm like, it's hard. Like, what, how did you love this so much? And, you know, he'll get back from a, a, you know, he's been gone for four hours running on a Saturday morning. I'm like, I don't get it. But I've, <laughs> I've caught this vision from him because I've watched him. See, I've gone to all these races and cheered him on and, and watched him. So our family w- was watching him, too. And they're like, turkey trot. Let's, for Thanksgiving Day, let's do a family 10K race. And I'm like, oh, getting up <laughs> at 5 a.m. to run 10 kilometers in the cold. That doesn't sound fun at all. But, you know, I, I love my family. And <laughs> they even had their fiancés at the time, our, our two oldest, do it too. So it was going to be this really bonding thing. So I caught the vision because it was a way to bond with my kids who are now were adults and their new fiancés, new members of our family. This is going to be the first time we're going to do something kind of really big as a whole new family. 
So, okay, I'll train for this race. Well, I'd never run more than three miles in my life. So 10K, it seemed like, you know, this is more than double what all yeah. I've ever done. So I was kind of intimidated. I'm like, how am I going to do this? And Bill's like, I'll give you a training schedule. Just do this training schedule. He gave me this training schedule, gave it to me on my phone, and I, I just did the training schedule. That's mm -hmm. all I did. I looked at it, and I was like, oh, it just starts with like running a half a mile. I can do that. I yeah. can run a half a mile. I can't yeah. run a 10K, but I can run a half mile. <laughs> so I had the vision. I had the desire, the intention. I want to do this. And so I went, ran the half mile. Then the next day, rest. Oh, I can rest the next yeah. day. <laughs> yes, sir. <-y. laughs> and then the next day, run three quarters of a mile. Oh, I can run three quarters of a mile. Yeah. Next day, rest. I can, you know, the next day, run a mile. Okay. <laughs> I, and I just followed the schedule. And I was shocked every time it was like more than I'd ever done before. I was like, I don't know. I've never run that far before. And I did it. Well, I guess I could do it. Yeah. It was a training that enabled me to do what I couldn't have done on my own. I did yeah. what I could do, run the half mile. I did what I could do each day in the training schedule. And sure enough, on that Thanksgiving day, I completed a 10K. Yeah, That's all right. awesome. That's so cool. Well, you just touched on something that we, we talk about on the show so often, which is you have to have not only a vision for your desired future that you're trying to get to, but also a system. You need a strategy, yeah. a plan right. to get there. You can't get there. You know, pa uh, Rob has come on the show lots of times, and he, he loves to, to speak to this habit and discipline subject matter. And, you know, and he always reinforces to us, like, having a goal gets you nowhere. It just that's sets right. your direction. But you have to have a system. And, and that's really the, the whole point of the show is let's help people get disciplines built into their life that will get them where they want to go, which is close relationship with Jesus. Yeah. But what a transferable, yes. uh, what a transferable set of, of skills and a way of looking at um, progress in any area. Mm -hmm. I've, I'm starting trying to get into running now again as well, and I'm I'm. I'll give you a schedule. It's an uphill battle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had the same experience. I download the the Nike running app. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna you not put a it in a goal. The whole thing. We're not sponsored by them, although hey, hit us up. <laughs> and um, you know, and the, and the same thing. It's like, well, I can do that. And you, that's a such, something so great, too. I read a book recently on the science of self-discipline and how sometimes we traumatize ourselves early on by trying to go too hard too mm -hmm. soon in mm -hmm. any area. Anything that's we're trying, right. any hill that's we're right. trying to conquer, we go too hard too early. We don't start small. And so consistency is destroyed because mm -hmm. we went for intensity too soon. That's right. So there's such a, such well, a valuable that's, lesson there. That's not Jesus' way either because mm. if we're yoked with Jesus, we'll be treating ourselves with his gentleness and patience mm. and kindness along the way of our training. And yeah. part of the training is the falling. And you see this with Ben, I'm sure, Jason. Part of what his learning is is the failing oh, and yeah. the falling all the time. He falls all the time. Yep. So this My is gravity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and he's it's, learning. And it's part of our learning. And even Jesus said this to Peter, right? you know after falling you'll get back up it's it, yeah. it, we learn from our failure and yeah. our falling but mm. God's grace is enough for us in that it's part of our training but our own expectations are that if I fail well that's sabotage I can't do it I'm going to give up and we judge ourselves and we persecute ourselves and we mm -hmm. shame ourselves and then we stop trying yeah and we think I guess I guess this doesn't really work this life Jesus calls us to isn't really for me yeah I'm glad it works for you but it isn't really for me it's kind of what we do just throw the whole thing out either I'm not cut out for this or you know it doesn't work anyway and other people are just faking it or whatever but, but we, it, it, oh go ahead 
Well, we do have to do our training off the spot of the pressure mm-hmm. moment. Yes, that's 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 an important Dallas principle as well. I, I think we read that in the Spirit of the Disciplines. Yeah. He talks about mm-hmm. off the spot training mm-hmm. for on the spot performance. Mm-hmm. Do you, can you guys just speak to that real quickly, just so people are caught up? Yeah. Well, so uh, you you're a speaker is one of the examples we've been talking about, and so that's going to be an on the spot performance when you teach that Bible study or whatever. And so you want to train off the spot. So uh, preparation is one kind of training but, uh, in terms of like preparing your notes, but mm. uh, that's obvious and that's important. But like we said, we can overdo that and not do some other kinds of training. Like, for instance, how about Christy mentioned Jesus' work with Peter there before Peter denied him. And Jesus is teaching Peter, watch and pray. Mm. He says to him, look, your, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And if we sort of paraphrase Jesus there, he's saying, Peter, your heart is great. You want to please me. You want to honor me. And I love that about you. You are a man of heart. That's good. But your flesh, you got some other stuff in your person here Hmm. that is not prepared to do what you want. Hmm. So watch and pray. Anticipate the trial to come that I've been talking to you about with the the cross. Hmm. And imagine yourself with me. Pray yourself to be with me, and then you will be able to persevere. And so mm-hmm. when we watch and pray, we anticipate the situation. So as you're a speaker, you, you envision that room that you're going to be in. What I like to do is envision Jesus there, and he is towering above me in glory, and he is the speaker. And what matters is not so much what I say, but that my attention is on Jesus, and I help other people put their attention on Jesus. Mm-hmm. See, I'm in that yoke. Jesus is the lead ox, older, stronger, mature, in Jesus' case, perfect, mm-hmm. and I'm getting into that yoke with him now. He's, he's the professional speaker. He's mm-hmm. the one to reach those people. And so it takes the pressure off of me. So that's an off-the-spot training that I'm doing in prayer, in meditation, in, in even just in visualizing the room and relaxing myself in God's presence, and then sort of praying that forward so that now when I go into that situation of pressure, like public speaking is like the number one fear that people have. Yeah. I'm going to go into that situation, now I'm going to be more relaxed. Mm-hmm. And part of what we're illustrating here is actually a psychological principle. If, if you talk to a, a therapist like us for a panic disorder or phobia of speaking, this kind of thing, uh, any, any fear or anxiety, part of what they're going to do is they're going to get you to talk about that situation. The very thing you don't want to do because it makes you anxious and scared, yeah. you need to go into that. And then by receiving empathy from someone, it begins to soothe you and calm you down and give you some confidence. All mm-hmm. the more when it's God that we're looking to and we're receiving the peace of Christ. And so it's by sort of the facing of the fear and, and the, even the flooding of anxiety that can come, but then learning to be comforted in that, now we can bring that different, more relaxed, trusting disposition into the pressured, on-the-spot moment. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I think you can apply that to any area of life, right? I mean, anything that you're trying to improve in or gain control of, or, you know, it's like a, like a football player. We look, we look at, like, Dallas uses the analogy of the sports. You see, like, like say, a football player run, like, a game-winning play, and we just go, wow, because the on-the-spot performance <laughs> was so great. But we don't see the, the conditioning and the nutrition and the weight training and the drill running and all the, all the off-the-spot work that was done to get to that moment. Um, so this is a, 
this is an important area of progression. And like you mentioned, you mentioned Peter, you know, like the disciples started at zero and Jesus slowly brought them along mm-hmm. to the point where they became world changers, of course, empowered by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus was in a developmental process with them. I'm so thankful for how Jesus' life demonstrates how we can live freely and lightly in his easy yoke. You can join people all over the world who have learned to live in those unforced rhythms of grace. And that's what my book is about, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org.